planning a class with Rav Nussin, yeah. uh, but it, uh, we did it a little too fast. Because we really didn't plan it well enough. Uh, my thoughts was to have a very big class. But we you know, with us, we do things spontaneously. And all of a sudden, we, if we get 5,000 people to say, Tikka Niklali, good. If we get 100,000, you know, that's how it is. So first of all, I'd like to introduce Max, my brother, Max Asulin, sitting on my right, who was the president of our shul for 30 years. He ran everything up and down straight, and he was fantastic. Uh, now he's retired, sort of. But second of all, we had in this house rabbis that people would pay money today to have the privilege to have the rabbis that came to this house. And you could start from the bottom to the top, but it was unbelievable the rabbis that were here. Especially, of course, Rabbi Rosenfeld, who charged up this whole country. Not only Deal, Brooklyn, Israel. And people were very much against it in those days. To say the word Breslov was like saying something very nasty. And nobody liked the, uh, the idea of having Breslov. And in our own community, we had rabbis and congregants that were very much against Breslov. What do we do? What did we do? We do everything we're supposed to do. What do you want from us? But they hammered. Hasidim, their head is in the wall. We went through hell with a lot of our own people. But we had a rabbi, no fighting. This keeps going straight. Get up in the morning, go to the mikveh, go to Vatican, and do your work and study and come back and go home and come back and all this. And that's what we did. So what did we do wrong? We got people off the street. We got drug addicts. We had all kinds of people, students. Parents used to come to me. How dare you talk to my son? How dare you? Don't you ever talk to him. The kid had hair on his shoulders. I took the kid, I made him a haircut. The guy was going to go crazy. He's much bigger than me. And I put him in the Miri Yeshiva. And I had to con the Ashkenaz rabbi to take Syrian boys into the Miri Yeshiva. He said, no, no, we're not the same. I said, Rabbi, we're Jews. These kids want need a yeshiva, and you're the one I came to. Okay, try it out, try it out. We tried it out. The kid that I cut his hair with the long, with the long on the hair on his whole shoulder, he was robbing the pishkas. The rabbi calls me up, asking, come down here right now. I said, what's the problem? I, don't, I want you in, listen, get these guys out of here. Where's Ashkenaz, Yosefah? We don't know how to handle these kids. I said, what happened? The kid robbed all the pishkas. What am I going to tell him? So he's out of the yeshiva. His mother calls me up, how dare you cut my son's hair? And this goes on and on, and there's a hundred thousand stories, it doesn't end. But, one thing that you have to know, How are you? One thing that you have to know, You got Any ushlet be'olam klal, he never gave up. Never gave up. He took insults. He had meetings with rabbis that asked him to learn Kabbalah, learn Zohar HaKadosh. He turned them down. So how can you turn down the chief rabbi, for example? How can you turn him down? He wants to learn with you. I have classes. I have to do my work. I got guys and kids in school. I'm teaching. I have no time. So the 
even the chief rabbi got mad at him because he didn't sit down and learn with him, Zohar HaKadosh. But he knew everything by heart, so you can't fool around with uh, any questions. What happens? We went on and on. We had a J-Dub, uh, Eskenaz Rabbi Shadesion, Rabbi Het, Alevah Shalom. He was there for 50 years. What did he do wrong? They threw him out of the shul. Now, I'm a crazy, I'm from Brooklyn. I, I can't take these kind of things. I want to take the guy and put his head in the toilet bowl. What, what are you talking? He throwing out the rabbi from the shul after 50 years? What did he say wrong? He didn't say anything wrong. He only quoted what the Torah says. Don't give an inch of land of Israel to the, to the Arab. And he said that's, that's what they shouldn't give any land to make peace. They threw him out of the shul. They insulted him. 50 years teaching in the shul. How do you do that to somebody? And what did he do wrong? He was out of the shul. They made a deal. Maybe pay him a little money every month, whatever it was. But these things went on and on. And you see the wrong thing in your face happening. And who are we to, to correct all this? Who are we? I mean, there's stories that's not believable. Not believable. So anyway, in this house, we had the pleasure of having Rabbi Rosenfeld. And I'll never forget, he said, the walls are full of Torah in this house. The classes we used to have every Tuesday night, and these, it's full of Torah. Unfortunately, we knocked down a few walls. <laughs> so, so this went on, and we had Rabbi Hecht, the chief Rabbi Kassin, the other chief Rabbi Kassin, every rabbi. One or two wouldn't uh, look up to us. One or two rabbis. And that was a big insult. But unfortunately, it came out of jealousy. The Torah says, how do you get a rabbi to make a sin? Tell him to eat taref? No, you're not going to win. But make mechloket between them? That's what you can do. That's the satan amongst rabbis. I'm bigger than you, I'm better than you, whatever it is. So we had rabbis like that after us. Uh, so one case, one of the biggest rabbis in our community asked one of uh, our student friends, how come you guys stand up during the ceremony at a wedding? Where do you get the nerve to stand up? I look, only you guys, Breslov, Rabbi Ashkenazim, in the back, I only see you guys standing up. The whole shul is sitting down during the ceremony. So unfortunately, he asked the wrong guy because he wasn't intelligent enough to know how to answer. He said, my rabbi said we should stand up. He said, you tell your rabbi I want to know where it's written. So the next week, I'm with this guy who's a student, and the rabbi, did you get the answer? No, I forgot the answer. You see, you guys, and he hammered it, hammered it. I said, hold it. What's the question? You have a question? Any question you have, I told him, we can answer it. I'll call my rabbi and he'll tell you what's pages on. So don't tell me it's not written. Okay, you tell me. Saturday night came, I called up my rabbi. The rabbi wants to know where it's written. So he said very quickly, uh, idiot or some sefer, page 47, three lines from the bottom, and said you should stand up in the wedding because all the nishamot, all the parents, great-grandparents, rabbis are at that kupa. That's why you should stand up. So when I told him this, he went in, I went to his house. He took out the book. I'm not hammering. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not hammering. This telling you what we went through. He opened the book. He looked at it. What page? 
bang, he hit his head. I said, what's the matter? The wrong place? And I know it's the right play. I don't give anything to bet on it. He can't make a mistake, my rabbi. Nobody could ever catch him. Take a pin, put it in the gamera. I'll tell you what, what page or what line the pin is on and what letter. From the pin inside the Gemara. And they used to test him in Miri Yeshiva. That's another story. So he smacked himself in the face. I said, what happened? He says, I read this a hundred times. I, I never realized it. He didn't say, tell your rabbi, I'm sorry, this and that. He read it a hundred times and he, it didn't hit him. Like. So there's so many things that people do today. Now you watch slowly what's going on. Breslov, this, Uman, these guys are praying to the graves. They're Amaharits. They go to Israel, they're praying to, to graves. They don't believe in Hashem. We have to straighten that out. It took time. The time to work on all these jerky people that don't have brains and they're closed-minded that when you go to a grave of a Sadiq, you are connected with the Sadiq. This Sadiq in the grave could help you. All the Sadiqim. You go to you pray, say Stehelim, pray and ask them to help you and then you'll feel different. You'll have somebody on your side. They couldn't understand that. They say we go to pray on graves. That's in 1965. Now it's uh, different. So the bottom line is that Satan is very big. <coughs> very, very big. So Rabbi Rosenfeld, and which is Rabbi Nussin's father-in-law, besides his rabbi, uh, he single-handedly went through all this, took all the abuse. They put a letter under his door from, the, from Shades Yon, you're not wanted in our shul anymore. Wow. Do not come back. And how much were they paying him? $15 a week. $15. And he said, I don't mind the letter. I don't mind this letter at all. But don't they have the decency to tell me in my face they have to put a letter under my door? Why did they put a letter on, on his door? A tremendous reason. Tremendous reason. He sacrificed. He knew he was in a get in big trouble doing what he did to get this letter. But you know what he said? I can't help it. I have to help. He had a student. The student was all his life with gangsters. All of a sudden, he met a Goya. The student. He married the Goya. North Carolina, I don't know, some country there. And he's living with the... So the rabbi, finally, he got him as a student. He said, you got to get rid of this girl. Get divorced. You can't live with a Goya. Rabbi, I love her. I can tell me anything. I'll kill anybody. I can never leave her. He tried for three months. And I know I was in the car at three in the morning, two in the morning, before we dropped him off at his house. Always hammering this Goya. Get her out. Get Impossible. So he says, what should I do? I have no choice. I can't watch my student sleeping with a Goya. Zera, Batalan, all that stuff. What should I do? You know what? Ask your wife if she will be converted. She says, I'd love to be converted. He said, okay, we'll meet you in the mikvah, blah, blah, blah. He converted her. Now they heard about he converted a Goya to a Syrian guy who's married for 15 years with this girl. They went crazy. He broke the law. But he said, it's worth it to break the law. I'll give up my... my uh, Prestige, I'll give up any, everything. But now he's sleeping in, in Kashrut. 
Now he's kosher. So this is what kind of rabbi we had. He, he knew he was going to get chopped off. He got chopped off. And then even the ones, you know, let's be honest. There's, there's Hasidim. There's Mitnagim. What could we do? Go to Lakewood. Tell them about Breslov. They think you're crazy. But today it's much more popular. So what can we do? This is what it is. But even the ones that were against us, this is what I want to say. 50 years later, 40 years later, a guy tells me, you guys are crazy. Go to Oman, pa, pa, pa. You're out of your mind. You're this and that. The Hasidim. The guy who did that is a rabbi in Israel. He went to Oman maybe 50 times since that statement. A guy in the shul, we pray, they're, they're playing music. All of a sudden, I went to a wedding, and they're dancing. Rabbi Nachman, and I'm looking, am I hearing things? The Bainers are, they mentioning Rabbi Nachman? Syrian wedding? I couldn't believe it. So the guy, one guy, I won't mention his name, hardcore Syrian, you know, against everything. He comes to me. He says, what kind of music is this? I say, my rabbi's in this song. They're talking about Rabbi Nachman. The guy went crazy. That's Rabbi Nachman. He got in the thing. He started dancing with the people. It's over. He's also a wrestler today. So you got to be open-minded. And at the same time, you better be closed-minded because what's going on today, it's just impossible. It's un un unconscionable. It's not normal. No one could fathom the fact that these things are going on today. What the heck is this? And now they're bringing it to children, and you know everything about it more than I do, because I, I don't listen to that stuff. But look what's happening to the world. Now COVID came into the world. Okay, sick here, America, all of a sudden, Germany, France, California. What do you mean this, this disease, COVID, is all over the world? It's like um, Pesa, the plague, one of the plagues. No one even realized it at the time. I, I'll be honest to tell you, the rabbis didn't even say what I'm saying. This is a, from a sign from Hashem. It's obvious. He's shooting for the whole world to make Teshuvah. And some people, finally today, they realize, they realize. Now, even now, we had the smog come. The smog is all over. We have fish outside for 40 years. The fish die from the smog. You know, you know the smog that was a few weeks ago? No, they told people don't leave the house. From Canada. Uh, from Canada. From Canada. So the thing is you have to be open-minded. And don't think because the guy is religious or he's wearing seed or he's doing this and that, that he's out of his mind. You're out of your mind for not believing in that. Because everything, Hasidi, what's a Hasid? He does everything correct. He's not doing anything bad. He doesn't go around and say, I hate these Eskanese team in Lakewood. I hate these guys in Canada. They, you don't see breast of a guy's walking. They're happy. So how do they happy? The rabbi said, you got to be in Simcha. Simcha, no matter what happens, you got to be in Simcha. I'm going to close with this one because I don't know, I'm talking too long. So now I plan to make a class with Rav Nussin from a month ago in my mind. Okay, so now what happened? Hashem... Uh, Hashem, I was driving in the car, Hashem saved our lives. Just a week or 10 days ago. My mash saved my life. A big bus from here to the other house came and knocked us. Okay, now what happened? What do you say? You're religious. You gotta say Baruch Hashem. 
Some people say, look what I shamed there. I say, hey, that's the car. We almost died. We're in the hospital. No, 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 no. Baruch Hashem. We don't know. We don't know what's in heaven. That the kindness of heaven they're giving us to on earth. Everyone's here. Was a Gilgul. We came back. And the ones uh, are religious. And Shomer Shabbat. And go to shul. Mind their own business. And whatever. So the best thing you could do is get a friend. Try to help them become better. And that's all we can do now because of all this. So what happened now? I say to myself, we're having a class in my mind for one month. Now we had an accident. Now is this going to be Hoda'ah? What do you say? Sudat Hoda'ah. I didn't play no Sudat. I'm playing to have a class with Rav Nussan, who's becoming world famous, incidentally, in case you don't know it. He goes around from here to Canada to Chicago. He's teaching guys. He's teaching lawyers. You know, it's a lot of lot of hard things to do, but he does it. And so his brother-in-law, Rabbi Kramer, who makes all the breasts of a book, he's still traveling. He can't even walk, Hazi. I see him, he's so weak. But they all have the power of a Sadiq behind them. When you have a Sadiq behind you, you can do anything. When a person doesn't have someone to rely on higher level than him, that's the guy who's in trouble. I don't care how religious he is. So one guy in Florida says, a lawyer, a rice guy, I went to, I don't know what, uh, Yeshiva University, blah, blah, blah. He says, we don't, I don't need a lawyer. I said, why not? He said, I'm a lawyer, I know everything. I know the Torah. I'll defend myself in heaven. I said, you're the first one that's in trouble. <laughs> come, come to me 120 years from now and say that to me. So this is what it is. But in the same token, we'd like to thank Rev. Nissen for coming here with us. And... Uh, You'll be surprised what you hear from Rav Nussin. He's great and everything, but in all due respect, it's not one drop, one drop of Rabbeinazel. He's just giving you a little, little something. And all the other people, they're closed-minded. How could you be closed-minded? When you have a rabbi say, so you have to be happy, you have to be nice to your wife, and if you're nice to your wife, you're going to get rich, and you got to go to the mikvah and do all these mizvot. What is the problem? What is the problem? But it becomes a problem. Now the two people get married, oh, that's another thing. One is religious, one not religious. Then they become religious. Then they go to some rabbi and they give them crazy crying. Some rabbis say things you cannot believe. They're not qualified. I'll say it in front of the whole world. They're not qualified to be psychiatrists. They didn't go to learn Gemara and all this stuff to be a doctor. They're learning to be a rabbi and take from what Hashem is giving you and relate it to the people. So this is the problem we have today. A lot of these guys, they got, they got smicha, I don't know how, and they became rabbis, and now people go to them for advice. I watch people walk in the rabbi's office, a couple that's madly, madly against each other. How's this rabbi gonna settle this? The guy's from Halab, you don't know what the heck's going on in America. Two American people are fighting. They have no chance to come out of there, oh yeah, now we love each other. So this is what happens. So also it says, Asilech Harab, Pick yourself a rabbi, buy yourself a friend. And fortunately now, we have Rav Nussin, who was a computer expert. He used to make $500 a day in computers. Uh, and now he's making much more as a rabbi. And everybody thinks he's a money man. I'm hearing he's a money man. It's, and I always say Rav Nussin and Rabbi Goldman, they're allergic to money. You never hear them talk about money, said God. Never heard them. So anyway, with all due respect, Sorry, I thank you for coming. And uh, if we're ready to hear some words from Rav Nussin, 
we are more than happy to hear, especially when Rabbi Marisha Bernstein from Yerushalayim, 97 years old, used to call me on the phone, and his words were like diamonds. So the phone rings. I say, hello. Shalom, Rab Moshe Bernstein min Yerushalayim. That's how he answered. Min Yerushalayim. He never said hello without mentioning that he's in Yerushalayim. This is the love in the heart that people have. So anyway, now Rab Moshe lives in Yerushalayim. So with all due respect, Kavod Rab Moshe, it's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to be here among among close close friends, <clears throat> and, the, and the truth is there is such a there's a very important concept when a person experiences a, a life threatening situation, and they come out of it okay. There's a concept of making a sudat hodaya to to thank Hashem to gather ten people, and to say to make it public knowledge that I don't think this was a natural thing. I believe that it was only a gift from Hashem, that Hashem saved our lives. You know, Baruch Hashem. Could have ended, you know, in a completely different way. So Hashem should help that the zechut of all the berachot that are being made here and the Torah being learned and everything should complete the refuah for all those that need it, complete refuah shalema. And that this house should continue to be a place of smachot and brachot, everything good. Everything good. We started the month of Tammuz now, and this month is considered a difficult month, even though we find in the Torah that it tells us that the month of Av is a difficult month, but the fact is in the month of Av, it's only the first nine or ten days. Afterwards, it switches to be a, a very positive, happy month. The Gemara says that there was never a holiday for the Jewish people like the 15th of Av. So we see that from the 15th of Av already, it's celebration. Whereas the month of Tammuz, the entire month, is a difficult month because the entire month was within the 40 days I can't believe that the spies traveled to Israel to and came back with a negative report and brought calamity to the Jewish people, brought us to Shabbat, brought all kinds of difficult things, <clears throat> they, which, which resulted especially in the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash. Now you mention the word Bet HaMikdash to most people. They've heard the words. They know it's something <clears throat> that existed a few thousand years ago, and they have no idea how it relates to us. What is, I mean, with all due respect, what does the Beit HaMikdash have to me? I, I learn about it. They had these wonderful things, a Mizbeach, a Menorah, all kinds of things. But is it relevant at all to us today? And the answer is most definitely yes. Because we find that before the Jews went to Eretz Israel, during the time that they, the Beit HaMikdash is in Israel. The Gemara says there are 10 levels of holiness in the world. <coughs> Level 1 is Eretz Israel. Level 2 is Yerushalayim. Level three is the Harabayat, and it goes higher and higher till you get to the Holy of Holies. So that's the center of holiness in the world. So you would think that before, before we entered into Eretz Israel, we had nothing. <clears throat> but the Torah tells us that Hashem gave the Jews the Mishkan while we were in the desert. And that was to teach us a very important lesson that all, even though Eretz Israel is the land of holiness and the Beit HaMikdash is the ultimate, ultimate, there'll come a time when we won't have a Beit HaMikdash 
And Judaism will not close down. We have the Mishkan. Moshe Rabbeinu showed the Jewish people that even outside of Eretz Israel, we can have a miniature Bet HaMikdash. What's the Bet HaMikdash for us today? Today we don't have the Mishkan. What is, what's the Bet HaMikdash for us today? The shuls, the Batei Knesiot, and Batei Midrashot. Our synagogues and our yeshivot, that's a Bet HaMikdash. That's literally a Bet HaMikdash. Now, what, what went on in the Bet HaMikdash? What, what were the activities in the Bet HaMikdash? And, and let's, get, let's see if we could break down the entire Torah to its most basic, basic components. Anybody? Sacrifices. Sacrifices, which, we, which today are replaced by our prayers. Especially there was a daily sacrifice in the morning and in the afternoon, and that's why we have shachrit and mincha. And then in the evening, they burnt the, the different bones, so we have arbit. So the sacrifices they had then, we have the prayers today that are a substitute. The music. The music. The Kohanim. And the Kohanim over there, and the, the, the lighting of the menorah. The Kohanim, the menorah. What else? The, the prayers. The prayers. Leaving out a very important piece. Excuse me? What teaching? Uh, bigger than the Kohanim. What, what was in the Beit HaMikdash? The, su- the Supreme Court. The highest body of Torah learning in the Jewish people. The Sanhedrin Hagdola, the court of 70 judges, was in the Lishkat Hagazit. There was a room in the Beit HaMikdash. Right? So does that mean that they were all Kohanim? Nope. No, no. There were certain places that only Kohanim were allowed to enter. There were certain places that women were allowed to enter. There was Ezrat Nashim, Ezrat Yisrael, the place of the Kohanim. The, the Bet HaMikdash was divided into sections. So that, it, in fact, the Bet HaMikdash combined two of the most basic elements of Judaism. Torah, the highest level of Torah in the world, came from the Bet HaMikdash. That Sanhedrin, the, the highest authority of leading judges, was in the Beit Mikdash. And prayer. People all around the world today, when we pray, where do we face? We face the land of Israel. In Israel, we face Yerushalayim. In Yerushalayim, we face the Beit Mikdash. So Torah and prayer, Beit Mikdash, right? The Beit Mikdash was the center and the holiest place in the world of Torah and Tefillah which pretty much encompasses all of Judaism. Can anybody tell me anything in Judaism that's not included in Torah? Mikvah. Mikvah part in the Torah. In the Torah. No, I'm saying the Torah is the 613 mitzvot and all the branches of it. In the 613 mitzvot, a person becomes Tameh, he goes to the mikveh. Anything? Excuse me? Midot are in the Torah. Bikur. Excuse me? It says you can't be angry? Of course. Of course. The, the, the Pasuk says, Lo yihab becha kelzar. Do not have an idol inside of you. The Gemara says, what, What's an idol inside of you? person who loses their temper. person starts screaming. They don't care who's in the room, what's going on. That's called a, an idol. So your, well, your question is, right, is what's, what's not encompassed in is there anything Judaism? correct uh-huh. <laughs> excuse me chesed. chesed is not in the Torah, it's in the Torah. Avraham Avinu, in other words Avraham Avinu it taught, that's how he brought people close to Hashem 
all these people, they can't give an answer, I gotta leave. No, there is no, there is no, the the answer is, and again, I challenge anyone to say something that's not included. Excuse me? Fun. Fun is in the Torah. King David, (coughs) the Torah, (coughs) listen to this. Is fun in the Torah? One one second. There's a story in the Torah. Excuse me. That's that's happy. He's talking about fun, though. He's talking about. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm going to take it a step further. At one point, we know King David killed Goliath. He murdered Goliath, and then a while later. Hashem, Hashem was disappointed with King Saul, Shaul HaMelech, and said, I don't want him to be, because he was given a mission to wipe out all of Amalek, and he didn't. So Hashem said, I want King David to replace him. And he said to the prophet Shmuel Anavi, I want you to go anoint a new king, King David. Shmuel Anavi said to Hashem, how could I do it? If, king, if Shaul HaMelech finds out, he'll have me killed. Could you, ma- could you imagine the chutzpah saying that to Hashem? Hashem says, go do something. And he told me, I'm afraid if he finds out, he's going to beat me up. The Gemara, excuse me? The Gemara says he was, the Torah tells us he was right. You're talking about midot and chesed. It's all in the Torah. The Torah says from here we learn that a Jew is not allowed to put himself in danger. Even for a mitzvah, you have to be careful not so, so Hashem told him, take a sheep with you. So if anybody asks you what you're doing, you're bringing sacrifices. In those days, there was no Beit HaMikdash. You were allowed to bring a sacrifice in your backyard. You were allowed to put up a... <coughs> so he goes, <coughs> and he anoints King David, and Sholamel finds out about it, and he wants to kill him. And King David has to run for his life. And he's running and running and running, and at one point, he runs into the land of the Philistines. And he gets caught. Who catches him? The brothers of Goliath. The brothers of Goliath. These giants. Giants. And one of them grabs him and he sticks a spear into the ground and he throws him up into the air. He's going to land on the spear. A whole beautiful story. Stevie could fill us in because he listens to those classes, the Navi classes of Rabbi Rosenfeld 600 times, Baruch Hashem. <coughs> so, uh, so, so now... Now they capture, <coughs> King David is captured and he's brought before the king of the Philistines. And these guys figure they're going to get a reward, a million dollar reward. They capture the guy who killed Goliath. No escape, uh, no escape possible. What does King David do? What does King David do? He, he has fun. He puts on a show. He puts on a performance. He acts crazy. He starts drooling. And the king of the Philistines looks and says, Who is... We don't, we don't have enough crazies here. You brought us enough. Get this guy out of here. And they're saying, But, but, but. And you don't know who he... Get him out of here. Just get him out of here. And he's saved. And Rabbi Nachman writes, What is the most important holiday of the year? Think before you answer. What's the most important holiday of the year? <coughs> Excuse me? We got, we got astronauts here. He said, Purim is the most, Purim is the most important holiday? The, 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 the answer is yes. 
the, the Zohar HaKadosh says, the Zohar HaKadosh says that most people will say it's Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippur is the most important holiday. There's a pasuk, Yamim Yutsaru, Hashem created days, Velo Echad Bahem, but one, one is reserved totally for Hashem. Which day? Yom Kippur. When we spend the entire day fasting and in shul and everything. So Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is very big. But in Hebrew, Yom Kippurim means a day like Purim. It's like Purim. It's not equal, it comes close. Purim is even greater. What do we do on Purim? How do we celebrate Purim? Fun, 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 fun. Where do we get it from? We, we, get, we get it from the Torah. We get it from King David. We get it from King David. There's a whole incredible deep... Now, now why? Why? The answer is... Because the Shekhinah, the divine spirit of Hashem, is called Simcha, joy, happiness. Where does it say that? There's a pasuk, Or Zaru Al-Atzadik, Or Lev Simcha. The Arizal says the words Lev Simcha are Begimatria Shekhinah, exactly. And that's why the Gemara says that if a person is depressed, unhappy, the, the Shekhinah will not associate with the person. The Shekhinah, the Divine Spirit of Hashem, will only associate with the person mitoch simcha shel mitzvah. That's the wording in the Gemara, in Shabbat and other places. So, so now we know today we're told that the Shekhinah is, the Jewish people are in exile, and the Shekhinah is in exile, which means the simcha is in exile. Where is it? It's in the discotheques, it's in drugs, it's in all kinds of garbage, all kinds of stuff that's unhealthy and that's not good. That's where the simcha has fallen into. That's where the simcha has fallen into. So that where, where should a Jew be getting simcha from? From Torah. There's a pasuk, Pikude Hashem Yisharim Mesamchelev. The mitzvot of Hashem bring joy to the heart. Where should a Jew be getting simcha from? From praying. Vesimachtim Bevet Tefilati. Right? But because the Shekhinah is in Galut, the Simcha has fallen into these other places. So what do we do? What do we do? We have to sometimes go down into those places, not into Taref, not ta- we're not talking about taking drugs or things like that. We have to crack a joke, we have to have an ice cream, we have to do something that's fun, and it's like lighter fluid. It's like when you're making a barbecue, you have, you have charcoal, you have the best charcoal in the world. Take a match and try to light the charcoal. Is it going to light? Why not? The guy sold me, you need lighter fluid. So now, greater, so who needs the charcoal? I'll take a bucket of lighter fluid and light it and have steaks, right? What kind, it's not going to work. The lighter fluid is the fun, the joke, the spark. The Zohar Kadosh says, Rav Hamnuna had three chapters of jokes that he would start a class with a joke, people should perk up, light, liven up a little, and then shift gears and go into serious mode. So fun is, in the, fun is not just in the Torah, it has a very important place, that the holiest holiday of the year, Purim, is all about fun. Give me present, I give you. Shalom, you give me, I give you, I give you. And the banging at the Haman, all of these things. What's going on here? I thought the Jews were intelligent people. They are intelligent, and they know this is part of serving Hashem. 
This is a very important piece of serving Hashem. And Purim is when we're taking on Amalek. Amalek is the most powerful adversary of the Jewish people. How are we going to fight against Amalek? With Simcha. Where are we going to get the Simcha from? Lighter fluid. The lighter fluid. We're going to start with some fun, a joke, singing in the Beit HaMikdash. Nothing happened without song. There are synagogues, but the Sfaradim... That, that I, I, don't, I, I don't want to give any truth to this because I never heard it from my rabbi or other authorities, but there are people that say, there are people that say that during the Holocaust, many Ashkenazic synagogues were destroyed, were burned. Amen. By the Sfaradim, it, didn't, it, it, it wasn't the case. Why? Because there, there was a certain greater respect and love for the synagogues among Sfaradim than among the Ashkenazim. I've heard people that said this. I don't know if it's true or not. But one thing we do know, that the singing, the pismonim, and the singing, and that that's in the Beit HaMikdash, seven days a week, there was song and music. There was nothing happening in the Beit HaMikdash without song and music. We know that in Hebrew, you have the word keli. Keli means a vessel, a vessel. What is a complete vessel? Somebody mentioned it before. A complete vessel is Kohanim, Levim, Yisraelim. Each one contributed their piece to this. The Kohanim did their thing, the Levim had a different mission, and the Yisraelim had a different. The Kohanim did their part in the sacrifices, the Levim did the singing and the music, and the opening the doors, the different things, and the Yisraelim were the ones who recited portions of Torah at the time. Today there are people, there are people in Israel who when they see a religious person, you're a nothing, you're a zero. Why don't you go to the army? And then there are people, there are other people who are learning full time and they see somebody who's working and they say he's a zero because he's not learning Torah. And both of them are, not, are going against the Torah. Both of them, neither one of those things has any place in the Torah. In the Torah, you have Kohen, Levi, Yisrael. You have different groups. An orchestra. Try an orchestra with 30 guitars. Is that an orchestra? An orchestra, you need a guitar and a flute and a trombone, right? 30 sets of drums. Make an orchestra like that. It's going to work. If everybody were rabbis, we wouldn't have a world. We wouldn't have a world. The Torah says, The Torah praises Zevulun, who went out to work, who did business and supported Torah. It mentions him first, before it mentions Yisachar. That if Zevulun is taking care of his brother Yisachar, then he's, he's given the, the priority. He's mentioned first in the Pasuk to such a degree. You need, you need both. You need an army, and you need people studying Torah. You need, you need a Kohen, you need a Levi. Now listen to this. A Kohen in the Beit HaMikdash, what disqualifies a Kohen from doing work in the Beit HaMikdash? A mum. A Tameh is a temporary disqualifier, you're right. But that he can correct by waiting seven days, going to the Mikveh. If he has a mum, a physical defect, he's out. If a Levi has a mum, is he out? No. I, I don't understand. If a mum is something no good, then, it should, then why does it disqualify him and not him? How does a Levi get disqualified from doing his role in the Beit HaMikdash? Can't 
The answer is with age. A levi oh. is only from the age of 30 to 50. 30 to 50. 51 years old, he's out. I don't care how good he sings, I don't care how good he does. A Kohen, Yochanan Kohen Gadol, was 80 years old. So I don't get it. If age is a problem, why isn't there a problem? The answer is two different groups. The Kohen represents Chesed. The Kohen represents Chesed. Therefore, a mum, the word mum, mem vav mem, is bigimatria elokim. Elokim is midat hadin, is judgment. For the Kohen, this disqual, for what he's supposed to hear, the contribution he's supposed to make, he's supposed to be sugar. If he could put salt into the cake, if, if instead of, a, a cake has ingredients, it needs so much sugar, and it needs a pinch of salt. And if you replace the cup of sugar with a cup of salt, it's, it's not going to be the same thing. So the Kohen, if he, if he has a mum, disqualified. Because that means he's not able to contribute the chesed, that ingredient, that component he's supposed to give. Age, what happens when a person gets older? They mellow out. They mellow out. They become kinder. Everybody knows this. Parents... And then there's grandparents. A kid asks a parent, can I have this? No, definitely not. Grandpa, hey, how many, want, how many can I get you? Grandpa, grandma, how many can I get you? So, so the Levi gets disqualified. The Levi, his contribution is din. His contribution is givurah. If he goes the other way, he's disqualified. Everything, everything has to fit. What is Yisrael? We have Kohen, Levi, Yisrael. What is Yisrael? Yisrael is a combination of Kohen and Levi. The Tikkun Ezra says the word Yisrael, every word in the Torah has seek, incredible, every letter in the Torah has secrets. The word Yisrael has many different meanings. One of them is Shir and Kel. Shir, song, is the Levim. The Levim were the ones who sang in the Beit Mikdash. Kel, Aleph Lamed, is Chesed. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim. Chesed, Kel, Kol Hayom. So the word Yisrael means that this is the combination of Kohen and Levi. We had Avraham. Avraham's major thing was Chesed. He built a house 24 Hathaway. Doors, doors open on all sides. You can come in from any side, open all, all over, come, welcome, spread, fabulous spread. But, you know, that was Avraham Avinu. That's how he brought people close to Hashem. Yitzchak, did he do that? Pachad Yitzchak, the Pasuk says. I'm ready to die. Kill me. Kill me. Human sacrifice. That was Yitzchak. Midat Hadin, Gvura. Yaakov is called Titen Emet Yaakov. Yaakov is Emet. What is Emet? Take a look at this. There's three letters in Emet. Aleph is the first letter of the Aleph bet. Mem is the middle letter of the Aleph bet. Taf is the last letter. What? Beginning to end. Combination of both, combination of everything, combining both everything. We see that everything in the Torah has incredible, incredible meaning to it. Now, when we talk about the Jewish nation, we're called Bnei Yisrael, right? Bnei Yisrael, throughout the Torah, Bnei Yisrael. What about Avraham and Yitzchak? And what about the ladies? What about Sarad, Ifkar, Achel, They don't have an important role. The Arizal says there's a pasuk that the, in the Torah where it says that the land of Israel is a land, Asher Avaneha Barzel. The stones of Eretz Israel are like steel. 
The Gemara says when the rabbis would travel from Iraq to Israel, from Babel to Israel, they didn't have signs like today. They didn't have, you know. How did they know when they entered, when they crossed the border, when they left Iraq going into Israel, they would pick up the stones. A stone outside of Israel, a stone of this size, weighed two pounds, three pounds. The same stone, the same rock in Israel, weighed eight pounds, like steel. Eretz Asher Avaneha Barzel. So the Gemara says there's a few things we can learn from that Pasuk. It's Eretz Shebaneha Barzel. The children that are born in Eretz Israel are made of steel. In order to survive in Eretz Israel, you have to be made of steel. <clears throat> and then it says, Eretz Sheboneha Barzel. That is all says. It's the land whose builders are Barzel, are made of steel. And the Arizal says, Eretz Shebarzel Boneha. The builders, who are the builders of a nation? The mothers. Shebarzel. Shebarzel is Sarah, Bilha, Rivka Rachel, Zilpa, and Leah. Shebarzel Boneha. That's the builders of, of, of the Jewish nation are the mothers. Number one. Okay, so we understand they have a very important role. But getting back to our question, we're called B'nai Yisrael. Why don't we say B'nai Avraham Yitzchak Yisrael? Take a look at the word Yisrael. The Yud is Yitzchak and Yaakov. The Shin is Sarah. The Resh is Rachel and Rivka. The Aleph is Avraham. And the Lamed is Leah. Look at the magic of Hashem. Look, 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 what, look, look at the secrets of the Torah. Every word, every letter has incredible, incredible secrets in it. person says the word Yisrael, they have no idea that they're saying seven words. They're mentioning the four mothers. Every time we say that word, we're, men- we're mentioning the, f- the merit of the four mothers and the three forefathers, literally. This is, the, the Chida writes an incredible, powerful statement, and this is what Mr. Rasun was mentioning before. There's, there's a pasuk that says, King David says, don't be like a horse, like a mule that has no understanding. A mule is considered to be a very dumb, stubborn animal, right? A mule, so you want, yeah, stubborn, stubborn like a mule. We compare a person like a mule, doesn't want to move, doesn't want to, doesn't want to do anything. So the Chida, the Chida wrote books on halacha, the Bet Yosef, he wrote commentaries, and he wrote 80 sefarim, the Chida. Tremendous, tremendous, wide angle, everything. He says that a person who, who studies only certain parts of the Torah and excludes certain other parts of the Torah, we don't learn that. Or we... He says the Torah is referred to as an, an orchard, a beautiful orchard. Pardes, pardes means an orchard. Why? Because there are four levels in the Torah. There's pshat, the simple translation. There's remez, the hints. There's drush, the 13 formulas that we have. Kalvachoma, gzeret shaved, all the drush. And then there's sod, the secrets of the Torah. The secrets of the Torah. The Chida writes that those people who study pshat, remez, and drush, and they're capable of learning the sod. We're not... But they say, we don't learn that. That's not, that's not for us. All kinds of different excuses why we don't do that. He says about them, the Pasuk says, Al-tihiu kesus keferet ein havin. 
that the person, it's like a person going to elementary school and graduating, and they say, okay, now you're going to go to high school. No, 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 I'm finished. I graduated. I graduated. I finished. I, I know everything. I, there's nothing more. I got my diploma. Look, I graduated. I know everything. We say the person's silly, right? It's the same thing here. A person who advances in Torah. We had the privilege 50, 51 years ago, I had the privilege of growing up in Brooklyn and learning in yeshivot, Torah Vadat, yeshivot with rabbis that were very good, very good. They studied, they taught us halachot, they taught us gemara, mishnah. It was great. It was fabulous. And then there was a rabbi, my, a friend of mine invited me to a class that was being given in the Sephardic Institute on Ocean Parkway and Avenue R, 9 o'clock at night. A class for who? For working people. People, not kolel, working people. People would do work, have dinner, dip, and then come to a class twice a week, three times a week, twice a week, and on Shabbat, three times a week, to hear words of Torah. What are we learning? We're learning the stories of the Gemara, En Yaakov. There are many yeshivot where they either skip that, they skip it, or they play it down. That's for girls, the, the stories. We're, we're, we're studying the, the halakha, the pilpul, the gemara. The, the... And they don't understand that the gemara itself says that if you want to have respect for Hashem, if you want yirat shamayim, if you want to have faith, the stories of the gemara, that's what's going to give it to you. That's what's going to give you the yirat the respect for Hashem, the respect for Tamidi Chachamim, the respect. The rabbi was teaching Ein Yaakov stories of the Gemara, but t- and again, teaching it in a way that you picked up all the Midot, you understood that these aren't stories, this is stories, this is something that happened a few thousand years ago. These are stories that are teaching us how to live properly. Every one of these stories is something that you could learn, that you could share, that, that you could gain, that number one, gives you incredible faith in Hashem and faith in the Torah and, and the ability to be able to, to transmit this to, to your kids, to your friends, to be able to pass it on. And I remember going, starting to go to the classes and it was, it was interesting, but not, not shocking. Then I remember after like two, three weeks, the rabbi gave a class on Masechet Sotah, those who are learning Dafyomi, we just completed Sota. And the Gemara there has a few pages in the beginning where it speaks about humility. And, and then there's a one line, not a one liner, there's a half a line in the Gemara there where it says that a Talmud Chacham is permitted to have an eighth of an eighth of Ga'ava. It's a half a line in the Gemara, literally, half a line. <clears throat> the rabbi said, let's pause here and let's explain this. And he gave about seven or eight explanations, <coughs> starting easy, difficult, deeper, deeper, and still deeper. Something fantastic, incredible. <coughs> we have this, number one, this was all recorded. It's on our website. We have a website, breastlifetorah.com, <coughs> that has just about all the rabbi's classes, except for the most important classes, which he gave on Shabbat, on holidays, when we couldn't record it, unfortunately. I remember sitting there and seeing this is a half a line of Gemara. This is what I, that, could you imagine how big Gemara, could you imagine how important Gemara is? This is one half a line. And just like the, the, there's a book, Tikkun Ezra, the deepest, deepest secrets on the word Bereshit. 
So the rabbi says we could write a tikkun on the word bereshit, and we could write another tikkun on the word bara. Every word in the Torah, Hashem is infinite, the Torah is infinite. And, and it was an incredible privilege meeting such a rabbi and being able to, and that, and that he was willing to teach. He, again, bus, he was teaching businessmen. He was teaching people, you know, things that rabbis didn't know, the most advanced students didn't know. And, and elevate to a level of emunah and a level of yirat shemaim. When the rabbi got sick towards the end of his life, very sick, he was in the hospital. And there were two people that visited him at the same time. One was a businessman, and one was one of the top Rosh Yeshivot in the United States of America, Rabbi Yaakov Yafin, Zichron Alavracha, who was the Rosh Yeshiva of Beit Yosef Navarik. He was one of the, he was a chavruta of the rabbi when they were in their 20s. These two were in the hospital together, visiting the rabbi, and they, they were talking, engaged. The Rosh Hashiva walked out and said, I can't believe this. He was talking to one of the students of the rabbi, a businessman, and this student told him things that he had never heard before, that he never knew before, you know, beautiful, interesting things in Torah that he hadn't heard. Why? Because the Torah is vast. And again, many Rosh Yeshivot learn halacha, they learn Gemara, they don't necessarily learn Chasidut, they don't learn Kabbalah, etc. To find a person who had everything covered all the bases. Halakha, a person who was a qualified posek, yore yore yodin yodin, in all four parts of the Shulchan Aruch, and Chasidut, and Kabbalah, and was willing to teach. That was the love of his life, teaching Torah, was an incredible privilege. And Baruch Hashem, this, the family here, and so many other families have benefited and continue to benefit. And again, these words of Torah are available. It's available, Baruch Hashem. It's available on a website. Breastleftorah.com has about six, seven hundred classes from the rabbi. And, and it's available from his students. There's a rabbi in Israel, one of my closest friends, Rabbi Shlomo Goldman, who was one of the greatest students of the rabbi, who's putting out a book every week, a sefer every week of chidushim on the, on, on the parashah. 25, 30, 40 pages weekly of things for astronauts. Things, you know, again, things that are spectacular. Hashem should help that all of us, we mentioned this month is, this, it's, it's a difficult time, but things, Hashem can turn everything around. Everything around. Hashem should help that this month of Tammuz should be a month of, this is a Sudat Hoda, thanking Hashem that Baruch Hashem were alive, went through a, a major life-threatening accident and came out alive and well, Baruch Hashem. Should be zuchere, be healthy and well, and celebrate many, many smachot together, especially the Gula Shlema, Amen, Amen, Amen. Amen.